Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. So today, let's look at this lie of the devil, part four. You can't really be sure there's life after death. There is no, this is the lie, there is no hard evidence that people who believe in this Jesus are someday going to be in this perfect place called heaven. There's no hard evidence, unless, of course, you believe, you're foolish enough to believe the Bible. And that's the lie of the devil. I tell this story, if you've been at a funeral I've, I've conducted, then you probably remember this story. But I remember this time I was walking out of Diener Funeral Home on Van Dyke one time, and a guy I knew a little bit walked me to the car. He was very buddy-buddy, put his hand on my shoulder. He's talking to me, and he says, hey, man, that was a great sermon. That was a great sermon. But let's be honest. He says, you have to say that, don't you? You don't really believe that stuff about heaven and hell. That's what they pay you for. He said something like that, seriously, you know? You got to say that stuff. It, it, it's, you know, it's, just, it's just par for the course. You, know, you don't really believe that stuff, he said. And then he said that he and his wife, he says, we saved our money, and we don't have to live off our kids. So obviously he knew some people who were living off their kids. He said, I take care of my health. I walk every day. And if, if I can't walk outside, if it's too cold or inclement, I ride the treadmill, watch what I eat. He says, I never got in trouble with the law and all this stuff. That's my heaven right here on earth. But when you're dead, you're dead because you do the opposite. That's your hell right here on earth. Heaven and hell are right here on earth. And people believe that. You, you, you know, that it, folks, do you, know, do you know how many people believe that? I mean, where's the hope? I mean, that, 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 that's right from demons. And I know there's people, when you think about death, a bolt of fear comes to, a bolt of fear goes through you. And see, that's the larger lie here. Here's the larger lie that there's no real hope after death. There's no real hope, no certain hope. And that's why I titled this message. You can see it on your outline with hope nothing. I want to show us from God's word how this lie affects people today. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. That was his calling. Paul was not the apostle to the Jews. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. And Paul would teach you Gentiles are free in Christ. You don't have to carry all this baggage all the Jews carry. You know, the Jews feel they have to be circumcised and the Jews feel they have to observe these dietary laws and all these ceremonial laws and all this and all that. He says, you don't have to do any of that. The only thing you need to do to get to heaven is trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's it. You are free from all that baggage. Well, this message, they were free in Christ, was so offensive to legalistic Jews who wanted to lay that baggage on you, they, um, these legalistic Jews reacted against it. So Paul travels to Jerusalem, and the authorities haul him before this council called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the ruling council of the Jews, made up of 70 guys, half Pharisees, and half Sadducees. 35 Pharisees, 35 Sadducees. Let me explain all this. The Pharisees, and this may be the only good thing about the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection of the dead, and the Sadducees didn't. So here's Paul standing before the Jewish Sanhedrin, the ruling council, and he knows this. Paul knows this, man. Half you guys believe in the resurrection, and half you guys don't believe in the resurrection. And so here's what Paul says in his own defense. Acts chapter 23 and this is verse, this is verse 6. I stand on trial, I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. 
Oh, did Paul know how to play an audience? Woo! So 35, 35 believe in the resurrection, 35 adamantly don't. And he says, I stand here because of my certain belief in the resurrection of the dead. Well, the Pharisees are going to say, hey, we like this guy, right? Because they believe in the resurrection. And here's the Sadducees going to say, string him up. Take his head off. We don't like this guy because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And now you have these two groups arguing, see? And this is verse 7, Acts 23. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees, listen, the Sadducees say there is no, resur no resurrection, that there are neither angels nor spirits. In other words, nothing supernatural. Everything natural for the Sadducee. But the Pharisees believed in all of this, and there was a great uproar. And some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously, we find nothing wrong with this guy. So man, Paul knew how to play that audience. The Sadducees had no hope of anything beyond this life. And I read two pages of fine print in the Zondervan Study, or Bible Dictionary, about, um, about the Sadducees. And I discovered they were the bankers, they were the high finance people, they controlled the purse strings in the Jewish culture, and the bottom line after I read all those two pages is they lived for the here and now. That's it, they saw nothing beyond this life. They believed in no resurrection, and so they lived for the here and now, and that's what happens when you're not certain about eternal life. That's exactly what happens when you don't have that certain hope. I mean, you know, this is all you have, that's the devil's lie. This is it, this is it. Or this may be all that's it. You don't know for certain what's going to happen when you die. And so now, go for broke, man. Go for broke and get it all now, see? And there's offshoots of this lie like reincarnation. That's real popular. Millions of people in India won't kill rats because that rat could be your uncle so-and-so in his new karma. I'm saying, boy, you don't know how many people believe that. that I'm serious about that. And, uh, because your karma is your reincarnated state in Hinduism. How many people believe that? And so that's, that's an offshoot of that lie. And how about this? You know, the, the devils want you to believe there is no hell. And this is a, a message in itself. You know, that when we look at both sides of God, the devil wants you to believe there's no hell because God's a God of love and could never create a place like that. And a God of love could never ever send people there. That's a lie. It ignores the holiness of God. Or they want you to believe, here's another offshoot of that, that lie. Everybody goes to heaven. It's automatic. And if everybody goes to heaven, what does that kill? Self-denial, sacrifice, it lulls us into a false security. But they all flow from this one big lie. There's no certain hope. You can't be sure. So make the most of the here and now. Definition of secular, here and now. So make the most of the here and now just in case. You know what? People flock to prosperity teachers. See, God, they say, God wants you to have perfect health, be completely happy, and nobody should be poor. And you know what people think? They say, hey, I like that, man. It's good preaching. See, don't you see? You know what I mean? Don't you, don't you see how that's just a, a, an outgrowth of this, this, this lie? You know, you, you can't really be sure of what's going to happen when you die, so go for it all now. Here's some points to chew on about this lie. First of all, this is point one. I think there's four or five on your outline. Where's our focus? The devil wants us. See, the devil wants our focus off eternity, off eternity. When we keep accumulating more and more and more and more and more, what kind of a message? When we keep accumulating more and more and more and more and more, just ask yourself, what kind of a message does that send to an unsaved world, an unsaved people? And ask yourself, how much of our resources, and when I talk about resources, I'm not only talking about money. I mean, I'm talking about like using your gifts, like today, using your gifts, your time, 
your energy, expending yourself, your time, your talent, and your treasure. That's the way we always put it. I mean, I, I mean how much of our resources honestly, honestly goes beyond this life? For something that lasts, you know, we joke, we joke about this, and we say you can't take it with you. But I want to tell you something, God really says that. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, I think this is your memory work on your outline for today, but in 1 Timothy chapter 6, God honestly says um, you, 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 you really can't take it with you. Let me read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at that. For, here it comes, verse 7. 1 Timothy 6, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. That's your memory work. I mean, you got to think like that. We brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. We brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. I wonder what the prosperity teachers do with that. You can't take anything out of this world if you have food and clothing the King James says, let us be there with content. I wonder what they do with that. But anyway, the, the Word of God says we really can't take it with us, and we have to ask. So if things don't go beyond this life into eternity, what does go into eternity, and immediately Romans 10, 9 came to my mind as I was writing this and asking that very question, what does go into eternity if stuff doesn't go into eternity? And Romans 10, 9 reads like this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, you did that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now look at this. I jumped down to verse, um, the last, verse, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And listen to this. Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What's that saying? Your hope in eternal life is not some foolish pie-in-the-sky hope. It is certain, certain hope. God says it will never be put to shame. So how much what God gives us goes to something that will never perish? And what's the only thing that won't perish? People in heaven with Jesus forever. That is the only thing that goes beyond this life. How much of your life is invested in that? I used to envy my neighbors. This is past tense. I envied my neighbors. Not their cars, not their homes, not their vacations. I envied none of that. You know what I envied? I envied their rubbish containers. And I'm exaggerating to make a point. And here's the point. Folks, um, we have so much. Do things control you or do you control things? These are big questions that are important, folks. Do you see life with eternal eyes? God says through Paul, we saw we brought nothing into this world. We can certainly take nothing out. I'm asking you, do you believe that? Do you really believe that you have a certain hope that God will raise us to be with him because we believed in his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us and, 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 and nothing else goes beyond the grave. Only people, only people. Can you say this meets our needs very well? I mean, you really want to go out and get a bunch of new stuff. This meets our needs very well. We don't need new right now. Let's use what God gives us for something that lasts. How do you spend your time? Let me ask this. Could you involve your kids in this, sexu in this secular age in something that builds eternal principles in them, or is it all here and now secular, as if this life were all there is? I think my wife told me yesterday about this lady. She, um, she had about a 13, 14-year-old daughter, and that girl was out 
She saw her at a dollar store, and that girl was just about, she, she could have very well been naked, and that mother was with her. Because she wants her daughter to be popular, to be attractive, to be seductive. Now, where, are, where are people's hearts today? I mean, could you involve your kids in something eternal where the word of God rubs off on these kids? You see how we, you see, see how we buy into this lie? Thursday night, 9 o'clock, CSI Las Vegas. Could you say, honey, let's shut that thing off and sit down and read God's word or some book about the word of God or something like that, you know? And just down, start reading that and talking about it. Say, hey, hey, you know what I'm reading? This is really good. You know, talk about something like that. I mean, what's your perspective? Is it eternal? Do you see the big picture or do you have this narrow, limited view? It's all here and now. Well, let me ask you this. Here's a big question. What really matters? What really matters? Let me ask this. Do, do, do you work just to have more? And how about this? How about this? What do you talk about at work? When you talk about stuff at work, I mean, do you, send, I mean, do you talk about where you're going, what you're doing, what you're buying? Well, when you communicate with people at work, uh, are you sending people the message, I'm not really sure about this heaven thing, so make the most of what you got now because we don't really know what's going to happen when we die. That's exactly the way demons want you to think. And we get sucked into that lie, and, and I do too. You know, I think about relationships. Marge left her husband for 30 years, 30 years. And um, she felt kind of guilty about this because she married the new guy, and the new guy died a week into the marriage. And she's feeling real guilty. She said, this is, um, this is punishment for God for leaving my husband of 30 years. She said, this is all punishment. And I said, Marge, I, I, I don't think God operates that way. I just don't think that's the way he functions. I said, Jesus died for these sins. And so I was trying to console Marge. And that's not really her name, by the way. And um, I, was trying, I, I was trying to really console her. And so I said, well, let's look back on this relationship with this guy who died. Um, Maybe some good came out of this. And I said, Mark, did he believe in Jesus? I said, maybe you were able to bring Christ into his life. I mean, did he accept Jesus as his Savior? And Marge said, well, only God knows that. I don't know. Well, he, he owned it. Did, did he show any interest in God's word, I asked. I asked. And she said, no, not really. Well, he owned his own business. Did anything in his life change, I asked. I mean, I mean, the way he did business, was he more honest? Was he less money-oriented? Did he treat his employees with more dignity? Did you see the evidence of the Holy Spirit producing fruit in him? Oh, I don't know. I think so. Well, did he ever express a desire to be around a community of believers? Not really. And I thought to myself, I didn't say this, but I thought, what a wasted relationship. What a waste. She was a Christian, or at least she said she was. And if that's the case, she had the most valuable thing in the world to give this guy. Most valuable thing in the world. What a wasted relationship. Now, I have to be honest about this. I concocted that story. It's not a true story. But there's lots of people like that in the world. You know, I talk to them, and, 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 and there's no input of anything Christian. And I say to these people, well, 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 why this relationship? Why did you leave your husband? I've said that to dozens of people, and marry this guy, or leave your wife and marry this lady. Well, we enjoy each other. We enjoy each other. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing in the world wrong with that. 
I enjoy my wife. I enjoy you people. People are not a burden. People are what our lives are about. There's nothing wrong with enjoying people, but let me ask you something. In your relationships, is there anything more? I mean, what are you building into people's lives for eternity? The people you care about. Has anybody moved closer to being with the Lord forever? Is anybody deepening in their faith, their commitment level, because they were in a relationship with you? Or is it, oh, we just enjoy each other? Demons say, you never really know, so yeah, enjoy each other, get it all now. And that's the first point. The devil wants our focus off eternity. There's about three other points there. These are going to go fast, okay? The next point, this is point two. What makes us different from the unsaved world? Ask yourself. Buy more, do more, see more. Buy more, do more, see more. And people see this, and they see your lifestyle, and, 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 and you will be a great comfort to the unsaved world because the unsaved world is going to look at you and they're going to say, well, they're just like me. There is no difference between them and me. And they say they're Christian and they say they're going to heaven, but they're just like me. There's no difference. They're going after the same stuff. And, and there's no difference. So if they say they're Christian, I must be a Christian. And if they say they're going to heaven, I must be going to heaven. And what have you just done? You just confirmed people in a false way to salvation without Jesus Christ. I mean, what kind of a message are we? I mean, no sacrifice, no denial. That was the Sadducees. In um, Acts 22.8, the Sadducees believed there was no resurrection, no angels, nothing supernatural. And we confirm people in a false way to salvation just by our very lifestyle. How are you and me any different from the rest of the world? Next point. Here's truth right here in God's word. Our hope is real and certain. The Greek word for hope in the original language, Greek, in the New Testament means definite. There's not an instance in the New Testament where it means maybe or perhaps. Hope is definite in God's word. Again, hope is definite in God's word. Are you guys ready for a precious, precious verse from God's word? This is part of Paul's prayer for his church in the city of Ephesus. This is the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, and this is verse 18. Man, this is precious. Paul says, he prays for this church. I pray, all, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, that's the certain hope to which he's called you. Now listen to this. The riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. Ephesians 1.18. I mean, God wrote this. Paul says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened. What's he mean? He means, I pray that you get this in here. I, I, I pray that you believe this in here. Get what? Believe what? The certain hope to which God has called you. And, and that hope is, listen now, listen, get this, the riches. Are you rich on this earth? You got it good now? The riches, the riches, the riches. It's so much better beyond your wildest dream, the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints. The riches of his glorious inheritance. Listen, Jesus Christ died and rose again to give me and every believer those riches, that glorious inheritance. Our heavenly Father and his son Jesus want us. They want you and me with him. I mean, this glorious heaven that Jesus left is my inheritance. Man, I can't even imagine that beauty. Read Revelation 21 and 22 about the beauty of heaven. I can't imagine a place where righteousness dwells. This is 2 Peter 3. I can't imagine a place where righteousness dwells where I never have to struggle with my sin. Can you imagine that? I'll never have a sinful desire. I can't imagine that. 
I can't get a hold of a new perfect body like Christ's body. The ultrasound technician says, ooh, that doesn't look good. Have to show this to the doctor. You're never going to get any of that in heaven, none of that. Perfect bodies. I can't imagine. Can you imagine perfect relationships? Perfect love? I can't imagine beholding, seeing Jesus every day. And I'm not saying there will be days in heaven, but seeing him all the time, constant fellowship with one who loves me perfectly and gave everything he had for me, and I'm with him every day. I'm with him all the time. I mean, what takes you through trial? I mean, what takes you through trial, folks, is the certain hope. I can't endure anything, anything, anything when I see eternity and the riches God has for me. That's what takes you through trial. 1 Peter 1 says that's what 1 Peter 1 is all about. I mean, you think Satan wants you to believe that? Man, I'll tell you, he wants you to fold under trial. He wants you and me to complain and say, I don't deserve this. He doesn't want you to rejoice during, during your trials because that would make the Christian faith in Jesus Christ very attractive. And that would give unsaved people something to desire. That would make them think hard and long about Christ. And he wants you to say, I'm not really sure about eternal life, so grab it all now. Yeah, just get it all now, man. Lazy boy has a sale. We got this dip where my couch potato husband sits on the pillow right in our chair in the living room. You know, so we're going to go to Lazy Boy and get a new Lazy Boy for my Lazy Boy. Because <laughs> you only live once. You just live once. Or, you know, I expect everybody to, my, to meet my need now in the here and now. But God has this glorious inheritance, riches beyond anything we can imagine, hope or dream waiting for us. Now, why is this so certain? Because God is faithful. He's faithful to every promise he ever made. He promised to send his son to Adam and Eve in all, in all future generations. Did he do that? Of course he did. Took millennia, but he sent his son. God, every promise he ever made, he's faithful to. God, heard, he, he, God promised to hear and answer every prayer. Ask and it will be given you. You ask in faith, it will be given you. Is there a prayer in your life God has never answered? You know, we prayed for my mom when she had a stroke, and she, we, we, she couldn't communicate with us. And, and we prayed that God would restore her mind, bring her peace, and he did all that. He brought her perfect sanity. She's got perfect sanity, a perfect body, and she's in perfect fellowship with Jesus Christ in heaven. He answered that prayer. He answered it his way. There isn't a prayer God hasn't answered. Every promise God ever made in his word has happened. The Psalms say he's exalted his word of promise above his name, and that simply means if God doesn't, God doesn't make good in his promises, he's not God. And just listen to this promise, John 14, verses 2 and 3. I am going to prepare a place for you, and I will come again, and I will take you to myself. Man, this is the heart of God, that where I am, you may be also. Isn't that Jesus' heart, man? Isn't that something? Where I, he wants us with him. That boggles me. He wants me with him, that where I am, you may be also. That's something to make sacrifices for. That's reason and purpose, to raise the bar and set a high standard for the world, a high standard for them to respect and reach for. Here's the last point, real quick. Offer hope. Man, be so conscious of this. We have hope. In every conversation, every encounter, offer hope. Give away what you have. Yeah, you listen with a sympathetic ear, but people are crying out, man. Folks, they're crying out. To hear something they can hold on to, something certain. God is bigger than this. You know, I know it doesn't seem like it right now, but, but folks, God's moving this where he wants it to. I mean, people need that. People are crying out for that. You have that to give it. In every, in every hopeless situation where people are negative and down and despairing, man, you have something to offer. Offer hope. 
I mean, you can tell them, don't give up on your unbelieving friend. You can tell that to Christian people. God, Ephesians 2, just think about Ephesians 2. God can take spiritually dead people and put life into them. There's always hope. I mean, you can tell people, your life doesn't have to be an aimless string of days. It can have meaning and purpose in even the smallest things when you know what Jesus Christ and his Father have waiting for us, for all those who trust him for salvation. You have hope to offer. And so today we've seen the devil's lie. You can't be certain about eternal life. And we've seen some points. We've seen Paul on trial. And we saw the Sadducees had no such hope, and they were totally secular. Of course you're going to be totally secular where you don't have that hope. We've seen some points. The devil wants your focus off eternity, but God's truth in 1 Timothy 6 stands. You brought nothing into this world, you can take nothing out. Second, we um, ask yourself, how are we different from the rest of the world? Third, we have a certain hope. Ephesians 3.18, we have riches. We have an inheritance beyond our belief, a glorious inheritance. Fourth, we've seen that our hope is certain because God is faithful. And finally, be conscious of offering that hope. Listen, when you wonder about God's promise of eternal life and you want to live fast and loose, you tell demons, this is what I believe. I know where I'm going. I'm not buying your lie. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.